This is the third part of our discussion about the Remembrance of Earth's Past trilogy, Book 2, The Dark Forest. Thank you for joining us for the second, or this is the third episode, <laughs> Book 2 of the Free Body Problem trilogy. Was it not a Free Duck Problem? <laughs> yeah. It's already four duck problem because it's already at least four episodes. Well, I mean, it's just a name. The three-body problem is also four books, so... Is it four books? Yeah, there is a fourth book by another author. Oh, that's, that doesn't count. That's fan fiction. So thank you for joining me for the next next book. Paolo, the connoisseur of despair. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I keep thinking about my nickname... Uh, I want to say something like the, the overthinking bastard. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. I keep overthinking But stuff. So I was I thinking about what to call like me. That. So I, I'll give you a few ideas mm-hmm. and tell me how bad they okay. are. So how about uh, the agonizing overanalyzer? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> I think it's too convoluted. But even more convoluted mm-hmm. is antagonizing agonizer. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you antagonizing anyone? The audience, maybe. Oh, uh, I don't think so. I, I I thought more something like the sensible soul. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I feel like your reactions, like your, you know, the depression induced by by these books onto you, <laughs> are because your soul is very sensible. It doesn't dry oh. up and and fell completely into despair like mine. Sounds too good. Yeah, that's fair enough, though. I don't think I can accept such a nice compliment. <laughs> <laughs> But thanks. So on this episode, we're gonna discuss The Dark Forest, the second book in the Freebody Problem trilogy by Chichin Liu. Yeah, I guess the name of the trilogy, if I remember correctly, is um, uh, Remembrance of Earth Past. Yes, that sounds very... Yeah, I don't like that name. Yeah, I, I feel like it's one of those names that was added later. And mm. So on book one, we learned that uh, Trisolaris is coming to Earth. People are panicking, and uh, they have these sophons yeah. that they use to mm, like fiddle with Earth's defenses, and uh, they can even spy on the Earth and send messages. And uh, they just sent a message that mm-hmm. people are bugs, and everybody's depressed. That's how we ended the first book. Okay. And then in the second book, if you're listening to this and if you never listened to us, it's all spoilers from now. So if you haven't read the second book and want to read it. Please stop listening and come back after you've read it, or just be spoiled. <laughs> you've been warned. Yes. So before we get into the story, uh, on the list of books, you said the first one's your favorite. Yes. How about this, this one? This one is my second favorite. I okay. think it goes in the decreasing <laughs> okay. order. Although, I mean, it's really hard to tell. I feel like this one, this one is maybe the one that made me the most angry. Like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like in this one there were so many pointless things. Very, I feel like it was a bit too stretched out, which is something I would mm-hmm. say also about the third book. But I think this one had the best moments in the whole trilogy. I would, yeah, I would say that, like yeah. both of the best moments in the trilogy are are in this book. That's why this one is my favorite. I I, I like this one by far the okay. best and by far the most uh, like impactful on my uh, emotional dread. Feelings. I would say this. This one is the one that has stuck with me the most. Exactly. It almost felt to me like this was the reason he wanted to write this. Mm. And then the other stuff he added afterwards. 
like especially the first book? It could be. I've, mm, I mean, I wouldn't say that because I feel like the fir- first book in a way is kind of its own story. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many ideas packed into this, like compared to the first book, yeah. there is so much happening, so many concepts, so many new like mm-hmm. sci-fi yeah, things and all the history and all, the, all this like... Yeah censorship and propaganda it all goes out of the window it's just like let's focus on this <laughs> on this concept yeah let's focus on the future and i didn't even think about who which country and like it's kind of it's kind of besides the point it's just like i would say so i i would say this um just to get this out of the way before we start talking about the the story itself it is interesting to notice how in the first book it has an approach which is much more realistic, both in terms of history and in terms of like geopolitics mm-hmm. and like and also science. In this book, the science part is much less realistic. It kind of stops grounding into reality what's happening, especially the fact that we were talking about all of the main characters are Chinese. The fact that China is never mentioned again, it's not so important for the story. Let's yeah, let's yeah. be clear, like it doesn't matter. It's just something that I noticed because like not mentioning China even once. Hmm. It doesn't feel like a coincidence. It doesn't feel like that's absolutely true. That, what you think? Yeah. Yeah. So in the first book, there were some interesting, like out there concepts, like unfolding protons into fruity 3D. Which, if you've listened <laughs> to the end of the previous episode, God bless you. I was telling Paulo they sounded like two angry men shouting and arguing and being mad, <laughs> <laughs> like, like geometry. <laughs> yes. And uh, on, in this book, there's so many things like mental seals and mm-hmm. wall facers, wall breakers, mass hysteria, defeatism, casting planet spells, alien races, traveling to the future, yeah. droplet massacres, people killing each other willy-nilly, like, what the fuck? I was so, I was so, like, make this stop. When I was reading this book, I was like, when is this going to stop? Oh my god! <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> Mm. Have some, have, give me a break, damn it! I was like, surely the next chapter is gonna be a bit more relaxed. So I didn't feel like this was too long. It it felt like so much happened to me. Yeah, that is true. So many things happened, but I feel like a few things were kind of irrelevant. That's true, but they uh, were still compelling. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I feel like I will say this more about the third book. But in the third book, it's really clear. In this one, it's less clear. Where like. Sometimes um, Chi Xin Liu just wanted to put something into the book and he didn't think about like whether this mm. was relevant, this was making the story or the pace more yes, compelling. Yes, yes. I think this is going to be a recurring problem with everything I like because I am <laughs> always in for these ideas and the story itself for me is secondary. And then I put mm. like... Yeah, I don't really care about that much as as much as, okay. this, as this idea. So that's why I like these stories because I want to hear the idea. <laughs> in this book, it didn't bother me so much as much as in the next one. But so speaking of the story and this like idea versus story or characters, uh, how do you feel about the characters in the second book? <laughs> Are they characters? <laughs> okay, I feel like they're much better than the first one, hmm. um, which I mean is not really that difficult. <laughs> Uh, this is this leads me to one of the other main critics I have to about this book, which hmm. is some some of the characters are still like not so interesting. Most of the characters um, are there to serve a purpose and show a point of view yeah. rather than be a character. Yes, that is true. <laughs> but I feel like the main characters are a bit more like multifaceted. My main point, my main point of contention is about the female characters. 
I feel like in this book, especially in the first and third book, they suffer from the same problem a little bit. But in the first and third book, the the main character being female helps mm. in at least having one character, which is yeah. Many people said this critique. Yeah, yeah. In the second book, like the female characters, just embarrassing. <laughs> Um, like, uh, so in my notes, what I wrote is that basically all women that are irrelevant, stupid, <laughs> controlled by men, and only care about relationships. Yeah, uh, this doesn't pass the Bechdel's test, does it? You know the Bechdel's I mean, test. This doesn't pass like the I don't know. It's not the 30s anymore test. <laughs> um, we were talking about like my main point of contention about this in uh, in the story. Uh, in the wife of the main character, yeah, yeah, which yeah, that's is ridiculous. just a ridiculous character. I don't know what Chichili was thinking, man. So, when so do you think he was trying to that. set up the the third book with all this like love? Do you think it was supposed to be like a like a thing that's gonna pay off? Like it's gonna tell you about how people live for somebody, and they, you know what I mean? And that's why he put it in there. I don't think so. I feel like he put it in there just because. I don't know. They are men. They have dicks. They want to have sex. I think he was <laughs> planning to set up, you know, uh, Ch- Ch- Tian. What is it called? The, the third book character. Ah, Tianjin. And yeah, he uh, wanted to. Yeah, yeah, have a similar, like, comparison. That the ah uh, pe- Tianming, sorry, and yeah, yeah. yeah so and, they, uh, I, f- I felt like he wanted to show that. You know, the stereotypical what saves humanity is love. If they didn't have love, they wouldn't be motivated to have uh, hope and all that. I wouldn't say that. I don't know. I would hope not because, like, the main character's love interest in this uh, in this book has nothing about, like, love and react. It's just, like, something super possessive. Exactly. And so if, if what I just said is true, it's yeah. ridiculous because the characters are ridiculous. I mean, I, ridiculous. I don't think like, he was this, necessarily this. going for yeah. that. Um, okay, that's probably just me thinking about it. So that begs the question, why is it there? Like, what does it do? Like, it doesn't do much. Like, the the whole, you know, Luoji and his uh, dream yeah. waifu. Well, okay. <laughs> yes, about the waifu. <laughs> Okay, so shall we start talking about the story? Because like I, okay, I'll okay, tell so you what I was get, thinking about the story, reading. and then okay. uh, let's try to uh, describe the story less and talk about what we think more. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I'll start and let's take mm-hmm. turns and uh, okay. move the story forward step by yes. step. So the story starts with the PDC Planetary Defense Council, yes, and they are trying to figure out how to defend themselves from the Trisolaran attack. And mm-hmm. the Sophons are surveilling everything. They can hear and see everything because the Sophons can go through everything. So how do you defend this? How do you defend from this? <laughs> you defend with the power of the brain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there is only one thing that the Sophons can't read. And that's your ma- mind. It's your brain. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also talk about... The concept how scary it is for the Trisolarans that people cheat, yeah. which is one of my favorite points. Uh, I don't know when it comes up, but it's this book. It comes up, so uh, yeah, yeah, towards the beginning. There is a flashback to... Um, uh, so Evans, who was the head of the ETO in the first book okay. and died at the end of the first book. There is a flashback hmm. where he's talking to the Trisolarans. And uh, he explains how they don't know how to lie, so they also don't know how to cheat, and they don't know how to strategize effectively against humans. Yeah, 
Exactly. So, because the Trifolarans, yeah. when they communicate, they can clearly see their each other's thoughts. Mm-hmm. And they can't hide things, which is very uh, interesting point that motivated my whole rant in the first episode of this podcast, mm-hmm. like free body, free duck, four <laughs> duck problem. How I talked about the the cuteness and compartmentalization of like, if we didn't lie and could always tell what other people are thinking, it'd be so much easier. And that's how Trisolaris is. Yeah. And I feel like that's how they can improve and advance in their science so much faster because they don't have all this bullshit to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> that's my reasoning. I mean, it's also presented as a pretty terrible society, to be honest. It's probably a horrible society, mm. and they're probably unhappy. Yeah. But what does it even mean to be unhappy? And <laughs> yeah, all that. So never mind. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Yes. So uh, the scariest thing for the Trisolarans are is lying mm-hmm. and not being able to tell what the people are going to do. So that's like super scary for them. So. They the PDC to defend from the Tresaurus, they developed wall facers, which is the first interesting concept that I was not on board with at first, but then it kind of grew on me. I feel like it, it it's not realistic, but at the same time it is it's very unrealistic, it is extremely yes. uh interesting. Uh and this is also my first Dune reference. <laughs> oh <my God>. so, <laughs> so before you say the yes. reference, maybe you should say what the okay. Wallfacers actually yes. are. So Wallfacers are a few people that will think of a plan to defeat the Trisolarans without ever saying it to anybody. Yes. It's only in their head. And it's how they can save the human race because they wouldn't say how they will do it because yes. they can't spy on them. And them. they basically so now, have almost unlimited powers. They can control... Yes, so that's another they like, can super control, uh, mm-hmm. giving like any sort of justification and uh, basically they are outside of normal legislations which is yeah. uh, which is yeah, and it's a very big point like I, I really like how so in, in the reason why I like the the Warfacer idea is that in many books or, or comics or movies or whatever they would have made this idea and they would have just said to the to the audience accept this idea the people in this world have accepted it so you should accept it and you should not question it mm-hmm. but i really like how in this book it's constantly questioned and uh, so many people have uh different issues with the world facer project and mm. that's true they they address yeah these they address issues. them like but not just once and not just like someone they address them constantly and also they constantly the reason why i liked it so much is that as the reader you are constantly wondering whether like this is actually um something that makes sense or if it's just madness and uh, mm-hmm. the book kind of gives you an answer but much much late well I, I mean i guess it doesn't really give you an answer because like in the second half of the book it said that basically the war phaser project was a complete madness and should have never happened <laughs> but at the same time it is what kind of saves humanity so like i said it's uh very far-fetched insane and then the book goes with your feeling of this is not possible yeah. and of course nobody will like this of course and then it like builds 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 and i think it's doing a great job of convincing you that this is kind of reasonable yes. kind of and also it explores something that is explored further in the third book which is the um, the need for a messianic figure which is my dear reference um, because as in Dune Messiah the people need a figure and in Dune itself um, need a figure like a strong leader a strong person 
to lead them out of mm. the problems. Right, so that's how the story starts. Mm-hmm. And uh, without going into too mm-hmm. much detail, uh, four Wolfacers are chosen, and each of them is from a different area, field, or mm-hmm. research, or science. Yes. So one of them is the Secretary of Defense, the other one is a nuclear engineer, there's a neuroscientist, and then a sociologist, basically a guy who's just nobody. And the reason they chose him was uh, because the Trisolarans are afraid of him. Yes. Uh, why are they scared of him? Well, you don't know at the beginning why why they chose him. Like, it is kind of strange. Uh, then later he finds out that it's because he's the only person where it's clear that Trisolarans are afraid of him. Mm. And uh, he actually survived a couple of uh, murder attempts. Yeah. And um, you understand that it has to do with the prologue of the book, which is him visiting the, the grave of uh, the daughter of the main character from the first book, because mm-hmm. uh, they used to study uh, astrophysics together, because he, before becoming a sociologist, he used to be an astrophysicist. And uh, at, the, at the grave, he meets uh, Yu Wenjie, who was, yes. again, the main character of the first book. Mm-hmm. And uh, she tells him something. Yeah, which, she tells him the yeah. biggest message of this book. Yeah, <laughs> and he's kind of puzzled by this. He doesn't really understand what she means. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which I really liked uh, about this book. They yeah. gave you stuff that didn't make any sense and was like irrelevant or they was, there was like a mystery. And it was motivating and built upon and then explained and you know you, you had some motivation to think about it like in the first book mm-hmm. i didn't feel like that at all there were so many yeah. things that happened and i was like what i don't care yeah that's true and in this book i was like what tell me more yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is true um but i would say that yeah that was because it's an extremely interesting concept um i was left wondering why give this message which is essentially a a way to kind of save humanity after she realized she condemned humanity which which is not Mm. what she wanted to do so i guess that's your answer like she was trying to redeem herself somehow yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's how i feel but maybe not maybe she just had an idea and she wanted to share it with someone she was like hey look at this Mm -hmm. dope idea i had so if you're listening and you haven't read this this might be very confusing shall we explain the dark forest or shall we move on with the story let's wait to explain the dark forest Uh, so the message was uh what the dark forest is the theory and the name of this book but we'll come back to it yeah so let's move on with the story (laughs) so the four wall facers they have different strategies Mm -hmm. and we get into the details of how they want to protect earth and what they're planning and how they fail i feel like the the interesting point i don't know um i didn't actually ask you this the the first one who whose plan is revealed uh who's the american secretary of defense mm-hmm. basically we didn't know much until his plan is revealed so you kind of learn everything immediately uh but for the other two uh, ex- excluding luoji who's like the main character mm-hmm. um so diaz and uh, heinz we learned a lot about the whole process and we follow them throughout the years hmm. with what they're doing. Did you understand what they were actually trying to do? Because like both plans had a big twist. Hmm. Like, could you see the twist coming? Because in my case, I was uh, really surprised by both. I, I probably wouldn't. Did you? No, Sorry? I was really surprised by both twists, which okay. I feel like it was a very, very good point because it means like, despite the fact that you were following the characters, 
Again, mm-hmm. I feel like he did this thing really well, which is you're, you as the reader are kind of like the sophon. You can um, hear and see everything, but you can't hear the thoughts of these characters yeah, yeah, yeah. other than the main character. So you can speculate on what their plan is and you can get the impression from the other people what they think their plan mm-hmm. is, but you can't really know. That's a good point. Yeah, I agree. That's well written in yeah. that sense. I really like that. Yeah, that, that's like, I didn't think about it like that. That's that's absolutely yeah. true. So I, I, I like that point. And in general, I feel like uh, the, the Warfacer plan was interesting, how they, the different ideas they come up with. You mentioned the, the mm. mental seal. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. The mental seal I want to talk about more. Uh, so before we get into mental sealing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like super short. So one of them wants to just attack and c- double cross, triple cross Earth and Trisolaris mm. and just, you know, uh, play on the idea of lying and tricking people. That was like one of the plans. Mm. Uh, yeah, I wanted to say this because depression points. I forgot. Yes, <laughs> all of these plans are like super depressing. Like, like the first plan, he wants to have kamikaze space fighters mm-hmm. that will commit suicide, and then everything will explode, and he will like give up humanity and pretend like he wants to kill humanity, and then he will trick the other people, Trisolaris, and all this. And it all sounds so abysmal, <laughs> so so dismal and depressing. Like to come up with yeah. this plan. And uh, the second plan was uh, to propel Mercury in the sun and destroy the solar system. Well, okay, no, the plan was not that. The plan was to threaten to do that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. To, to threaten mm-hmm. Trisolaris by destroying yeah. everything so Trisolaris can't occupy Earth. Yes. And, uh, yeah, also very, very upbeat, <laughs> positive plan. <laughs> like, not depressing at yeah. all. <laughs> and... Yeah, and, that, and the plan that I like the best is to amplify intelligence. Mm-hmm. So they want to research, uh, you know, the only thing we have, because they're blocking the advancement mm-hmm. of science. So the only thing we have they're not blocking is our minds. So they want to research. Right. Although yeah. it is also explained that that was a lie, because that was never possible since uh, the the phaser who suggests this is also the one who found out that the, um, the neurotransmissions within the brain are... Um, at a quantum level, and they can't develop quantum science because of um, the Sophon block. So, yeah, the real goal was the mental seal. But the concept is a no. noble idea, or I mean, the plan is a yeah. noble idea. Like, like this is the idea I would go with if I had to decide on all these. Okay, among all three, you, you, you're saying basically you like Heinz the most. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if you haven't read this, Luigi's idea is non-existent. Yeah. He just doesn't yeah. do anything. <laughs> we'll talk yes. about it later. <laughs> like the last guy who yeah. had the plan. I really like Diaz. I think he was a. I think he was an interesting character. Um, the way he was built, it was super stereotypical. It's okay, but he was really interesting. I really like the fact that he was the one who brought up the most of uh, real life geopolitical conflict, because okay. um, in the story he's the um, he used to be the president of Venezuela and uh, he basically fought a war against the US and they won mm. They're using guerrilla tactics kind of like the Vietnam War and uh, because of that the United States of course have a big resentment over him and uh, mm-hmm. he uses this resentment to make them think that they are opposing his plan just because they hate him <laughs> and yeah. he brings up several times a concept which is super important for the Dark Forest and for the third book as well. Mm. 
And it is also my second Dune reference, <laughs> which <laughs> is uh, you have power over something if you have the power to destroy that thing. Oh, I so see, yeah. as as you said, so he his plan included the threat to destroy the Earth, mm -hmm. which is kind of like uh, Paul in the first book threatening to destroy all the spice. Mm -hmm. So I think that was very interesting, and uh, the way he also used it. Like uh, he used it several times. Used it in that case. He used it later when he mm. his plan was revealed mm -hmm. because he, he threatened to essentially nuke New York if he's not released. I I just like the whole plan, the whole development. Mm. Yeah, I agree. There was a. I think he was an interesting yeah. character throughout. That's true. This part was yeah well well thought out. Yeah. So so the plan with the amplifying mm. intelligence uh, fails because they can't really. They search it yeah. that much, but accidentally they accidentally. discover something called the mental seal. I, I'm not sure I remember it clearly. Well, I thought it was accidentally. No, they said that it was a fake. They say it was accidentally, but then it is later revealed that that was the plan all along. Oh, I forgot that. So it starts by, you know, they're scanning the brain and they're searching stuff. And it starts by somebody not being able to drink water because they believe that it's yes. poison and they just dehydrate themselves into almost dying. So what they have discovered is to, like, I think with radiation mm -hmm. or some kind of technology, they just target a part of the brain and they alter the function in a way that makes you unconditionally believe a fact, like focus mm -hmm. on a concept or fact or belief and not being able to criticize it or break the yeah, belief. Essentially, in it. it becomes second nature to you that that thing is true. Um, it's kind of like how you can't drown yourself. It's something that is hard-coded into mm -hmm. our brains and we can't override yeah, wait, it. That's like, a good way to put it. Uh, no matter as much as, mm -hmm. uh, as you try, you can't override it. Which is uh, one of the most interesting concepts I like in this book. Do you, do you think this is mm -hmm. realistic? Do you think that this is going to happen in the future? Uh, I don't know about if it can happen this way, but it is scary and I think it is possible. Um, this also hmm. leads an, uh, into another topic which we haven't discussed yet, which is extremely interesting to me. And uh, it is discussed only at the beginning uh, of the book, uh, which is the, the topic of escapism and uh, how people are like, okay, since, you know, we will, we will lose the war, we should just find a way to escape. And uh, while this exactly. could make sense, because of course you can say, well, we will lose if we escape uh, three Solaris only wants the earth they don't want to kill humanity so they wouldn't really mind mm. um but it is also explained and um, this is like the subplot of the three old chinese men um mm -hmm. where it is clearly explained that escapism can't work because it is impossible for everyone to escape uh at least it is hard to imagine that everyone can escape and because the possibility that only someone can escape people can never collaborate enough to make a, an escape plan which can actually work. Yep. Which is extremely interesting and also realistic, I feel like. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I agree. So that was a very, very cool concept. And um, it ties into the mental seal. And uh, it ties mm -hmm. into also the other main plot line, um, which is the military plot yeah. line. And into defeatism, which is similar. So the mental seal, they uh, get into this quite in a bunch of detail. And I also think that it could be real in the future but it's horrifying this is this might be the most horrifying concept from all of these books to me personally i guess so to clarify i don't think it's horrifying in the sense that the government or whatever could manipulate like could 
could like change my brain mm. that's that's not horrifying okay it's, it's it's scary and there could be like whatever punishments people could be literally brainwashed into putting concepts in their mind that they cannot question like that's terrifying but what's more mm. terrifying is that I could decide to do it my, to myself by myself. Right, that's horrifying to me. I mean, like the guy in the in the book. Yeah, I mean because it leads to certain questions. Like, for example, what if you hard code someone to reject violence? For example, mm-hmm. would that be bad? Or like, if you hard code someone to, to like respect everyone or like mm-hmm. not be a dick, would that be bad? The- Yeah, so that's like the surface level of this of this like yeah. conundrum. But then you get into thoughts like, okay, so I want to never procrastinate again. <laughs> so I'm gonna hard code myself yeah. from f- into detesting procrastination. And mm-hmm. well thought, like clear headed, like person mm-hmm. would probably be willing to do this. Yeah. And then, what does this mean? Does it make you a robot? Does it like? And then, then you get into this slippery slope of bullshit, and you're like, okay, so I can't procrastinate now, and I'm super exhausted every time, mm-hmm. and I can't relax. So I'm gonna yeah. hard code in my brain that my work makes me happy. And then you're like almost dying from overworking yourself and being excited that you work. And then you're like, okay, so I'm gonna hard code myself that I will never tired. <laughs> but I feel like, like, why, why, why would you do that? Yeah, of course you wouldn't. No. But I mean, that's just an example, like yeah. how uh, of a slippery slope this is. Like you would do, it would be like, okay, so this this thing in my life, I could get rid of. I could stop smoking, yeah. or I could stop. I don't know, or I could make myself exercise every week. I would have the need in my mind mm-hmm. to get exercise every week, yeah. and uh, I could get in my head that I don't like sweets, and then I I wanna. Uh, and <laughs> Yeah. It's like such a such well, a I, exactly. So that's why I feel like using it for something small is actually much more counterproductive than using it for something big. And I think it would pile up, and then there would be like all these philosophical questions about what does it mean to be you, and what does it mean to be, you know, motivated to do something, and what does it mean? Yeah, it, what does it all mean? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Again, I would use it like teach everyone to reject violence. I don't know. Maybe it would be a good word. I think that's exactly what uh, the character in the first book would be like, let's destroy this! No! The yeah. humanity will die because they can't defend themselves because they, they decided to not have violence yeah. in their life. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's... Yeah, this this is I I this this one uh, like chapter g- kept me thinking for like months. Mm. I was like overthinking this so hard. And... Okay. I think people like me mm-hmm. would be super tempted to use this. And they would spend so much time mm-hmm. like justifying and rationalizing why they shouldn't use it and then they would use it. Mm. And then they would be doomed. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It's like I always try to improve myself mm. and I always try to like understand how the brain works and I always try to like put small things in my life that manipulate me. I'm already doing this. I'm already like like my password that I type every day at work is telling me to do something and I'm changing the password regularly to tell mm-hmm. me to do something and it works. That's fair enough. Like uh, I'm already doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And it's like Yeah, I, I can understand that. Yeah. So for the sake of keeping this not five hours long, let's move on. <laughs> I guess the other the next thing to, to tackle is so we talked about the first three plans and now they were mm. like all of these grandiose plans which didn't really need lead anywhere. So I guess before I think before we talk about Luo G and main plot 
Uh, yeah. Tying into the topic of uh, defeatism and uh, escapism, mm-hmm. uh, there is the whole military side to it, and uh, which is mm-hmm. um, followed using the plotline of Zhang Beihai, who is this um, Chinese super soldier who uh, joins the, the Space Force. Sounds so cool to say Space Force. <laughs> and uh, in the Space Force, everyone is kind of like, eh, you know, uh, how do we make how do we make the Space Force? We don't have the technology and everything else. And there is a lot of defeatism. So many, many people mm. think they will lose. But he seems to be the one who is the star student. He's like, no, we, we can do it. We can make it. And um, mm. it is shown throughout the book that he will not stop at anything to achieve certain things. Mm. And uh, including killing people who are trying to push technological development in a in a direction that he deems uh, insufficient for his goals and throughout the yeah. book the the whole impression is that he will he will be the one who you know will lead humanity in the war against trisolaris and he will lead them to victory because he believes in victory mm-hmm. so much and everything else and yeah. uh, again in this case i think the author does a very good job at hiding his real feelings and his real intentions okay uh, as you know later we find out that actually he was planning to escape all along and that was his main goal mm. because yeah that's the that's one of the most like <laughs> depression points plus 700 yeah. <laughs> and uh to me it not only that was really interesting it was really interesting how uh in the first half of the book he develops this relationship with the general in charge of the chinese general in charge of the space force Hmm. It seems like the general really trusts him and yeah, yeah, yeah. is willing to leave everything into his hands. But it is later mm-hmm. revealed that the general kind of understood that he was lying and he was actually mm. he wanted to escape and he was doing all of this just yeah. to just to have the best chance of escaping. Kind of made sense in the mean in the sense that it was so desperate, the times were so bad yeah. that even pretend was better than nothing. Yeah, it, 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 for. Some of the book, his section was not so interesting, if I have to be honest. Like, what are they doing? Like, the, <laughs> in, in practical terms, what what are they actually doing? Mm. And it felt very vague and very, yeah. uh, like, thrown out there. That's true, yeah. that's true. So I didn't really like his but parts. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. maybe that was the point, because it's, you know, world is in turmoil, nobody knows, so they don't know what they're actually doing. Like, they're just trying to stay so scrambling to do something. Yeah, I guess that, that makes sense, but it was not so interesting to read. That's Until true. the part when he that decides was, yeah. to kill the people with the with the <laughs> meteorite bullets. <laughs> which was kind of like, what the fuck? And, and, so but what the fuck in a good way, like, wow, this is yeah, yeah. really cool. It's, it's yeah. funny how you like this like super philosophical discussion and meteor bullets! Yes. Yeah, <laughs> go! And... Um, the payoff of his plotline is one of the two most interesting topics I was talking about, which is the Battle of Darkness. Mm. Um, shall we talk about the Battle of Darkness now? Maybe just to have it uh, like uh, chronological. Okay. So I just want to quickly mention, so they have this plan, the wall facers, yeah. and then the ETO still exists, and they have wall breakers. Yes. So we just, just to mention that existed. Yeah. So wall breakers are people who are meant to break the wall breakers into submission and find out their secret plans. Yes. It's the ETO's plan to, again, doom humanity. It's the Earth Trisolaris organization. They're, they're still helping Trisolaris. There's still people who want to do that. Yes. And they assigned a special 
bastards to each of these people who are the lawbreakers <laughs> and and that's that's like a very strong uh, dramatic moment in the in the book where they keep developing these plans and then there is a moment and they meet somebody and the, the guy's like i am your wall breaker <laughs> and the other guy's like oh he kills himself yeah, it, is, it is a little funny <laughs> if you over dramatize it But, but I didn't feel like it was no, funny. No, no, it, it was, was interesting. Like but super if you just say like moment. I'm your wall breaker, and they're like, oh, oh, no, no. I, I feel like if this happens, if this breaks into the mainstream, like if more people read this, and if the uh, TV shows are just a little bit successful and popular, this is gonna be the biggest yeah, meme. Yeah, definitely. People are gonna be yes. all over the internet and online, and people are gonna come somewhere and they're gonna be like, I am your wall breaker, yeah. and then punch somebody. Yeah. <laughs> It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, that, that so, is uh, that is really funny. So they start with Tyler, who did the like trick plan, uh, and they find out. So the wallbreaker comes to him, and they reveal the plan, mm-hmm. and then okay, wallbreaker is like, oh, this is all damned, and he commits suicide. Yes. So, and then Diaz, your favorite plan, <laughs> this was the most depressing. <laughs> so, so they reveal his plan, mm-hmm. and then they arrest him. For uh, crime against humanity, they want to arrest because him. Because they want to arrest him. Oh, sorry. And then he develops the dead man's switch, uh, which is uh, like the, the the thing that he was developing to, you know, like how Pablo said, if you have control, if you have the power to destroy something, you have the control over it. So he wanted to have control over the solar system, the ability to destroy it. So he has this dead man switch. So if he's killed, then the other thing he decides will be also destroyed. So he mm-hmm. sets it up so. If they kill him, then yeah, New York would blow up. Yeah, but uh, it was actually just a uh, a lie because. And then it's know. revealed it's a lie, and then they send him home. Yeah. <laughs> These are the parts yeah. of the book that I was like, make it stop! Why is this happening? Just just enough. I really like that him. part. Like, to me, it was one of yeah, my favorite so, parts. It was like uh, so. That, so he wants to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Then he, he pretends to blow blow stuff up, and they they crimes against humanity, and then they send him home. And so he kind of wins. They yeah. don't kill him, and then finally he gets what happens? stoned to death by his own <laughs> oh people. Oh my god! Damn, damn it! Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as for the uh, third world breaker, this was kind of like a mm. point of controversy we were telling about among the readers of of this trilogy because the the well the world breaker of of Heinz is his wife and she reveals that actually his plan was to develop the mental seal all along but not to ensure like um, that soldiers would have faith in victory but the complete opposite so it was essentially to help escapism and defeatism super depression yeah. points when this was revealed I was like damn yes, another bastard leads to nothing like <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. The whole point was supposed to be that this, because like um, this is revealed after the big time jump, which is about 200 mm. years. That's later in the book, yeah. And it is revealed in theory that there should be, still be some uh, mentally sealed mm. soldiers. Yeah. But yeah. but it doesn't go yeah, anywhere. Like it's not said anywhere, and it's kind of a waste. I think this happened because there's already so many concepts mm-hmm. and so many storylines and so many things happen yeah. in this book and the book is twice as long as the first yeah. book and I think he was like oh I have to cut something out and yeah. he cut the, out the part what happens to this this yeah. group and he couldn't cut it out so hard so it wouldn't because this part was kind of important yeah. so he couldn't cut it out that much so I think that's how this happened yeah like to me the only thing that was kind of nonsensical was 
why did uh, his wife reveal his plan? Like, she had nothing to gain by revealing his plan. Yeah, so the wife is the wall breaker? Yes, I forget. the wife is the wall breaker. Depression points. Sorry. The wife is the wall breaker, but like, there was literally no reason for her to, to reveal the plan. I think just building up the depression points. You want to get the highest score. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, the last wall breaker, so we can also talk about the time jump and why there is a time jump, okay. is uh, Luoji. He's the main mm. character, and uh, he. We talked about before. He got like he was the only one who was actively targeted by by Trisolaris. And at the beginning, when he becomes a world breaker, he f- he's super depressed because he can't live a normal life anymore. But then he says, "Okay, you know what? I'm just using all these powers to, to mm. do whatever the fuck I want." It was kind of funny. There is the turning point is his wife, which. I need a drink <laughs> to talk about it. So it starts with a very, very interesting idea, which is this. So it is revealed that he had this girlfriend and she was a writer of essentially light novels or like novels for like teenagers. And mm. uh, the relationship was going pretty well. And then he said, you know, it's pretty easy to build the characters like the ones in your novels. And uh, she mm. challenges him to do that. So he writes this um, this novel, and she says, "You know, the characters here are not so deep. They're they're not they're not like real people. So try to write the character as a real person." And so he tries to create this character from the infancy until like the point of the story, and um, it gives the characters like memories and all of these things until slowly he starts to realize that this character is kind of becoming alive alive in his mind, and he starts seeing this character in the real world and talking to this character in the real world and kind of this is all before the wall breaker yeah yeah thing. this is, is like it? before the yeah this is like a big flashback yeah and uh, he he starts to see this character in his real life and goes on date with her like a pretend yeah date. and uh, he finds out that his girlfriend actually had the same thing so they break up and but then he, he essentially forgets about this character because he realized you know I'm crazy. This was so strange that even in this book. But I think it was a very interesting concept. It was a little bit out of the scope of the book. Just because the... Yeah, like, exactly. Are we talking about like uh, the human mind and like writing and art? Or are we talking about like mm. aliens and <laughs> 11 dimensions? <laughs> like, I don't know. It was a little strange. I didn't understand why this was all in there. I wouldn't mind it To me, it was there. fine until this happens. So he becomes a world breaker and he has the brilliant idea of saying, oh, could you find this person? And he describes the person and they found someone who looks exactly like the person he was describing, which to me was like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and for whatever yeah, reason, found, she yeah. falls in love with him? Like, what? It's, it's all nonsense. Like, this part is okay. just nonsense. Now, for... A long time, I was really, really hoping, because it is revealed that they were using her to control him into actually acting as a as a world breaker, because, you know, they have a baby, they get married, they have a baby, and then she lives mm. with the baby, and they say, oh, uh, you know, we will hibernate and wake up only when there is the doomsday battle against Trisolaris, so you'd better mm. do something to, to win the battle. Okay, to me, like this could have been a very, very interesting point and very much more depressing if <laughs> this person would have been not a real person from the start. Either if they were using some drugs, because clearly he was having some mental problem. If you believe like that, the character he he wrote about was a real person and talking to her and going on dates with her, clearly he was having like some form of schizophrenia. So it would have been interesting if they were using some drugs 
to make him believe mm. that, you know, this person actually existed to control him. Or they were using yeah. a real person and they had used like some, uh, you know, make-believe to make him think yeah. that actually this was the person. But I can't believe you made a good point how to make this even more Yeah, deepest. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that she was an agent by the Planetary Defense Council that from the start. That would make more sense, yes. Yeah, that would have been much more interesting to me. Not that she was actually like a normal person and she fell in love with him. Like, like why would you feel in lo- fell in love with him? This part was so weird. Yeah, yeah. like, sh- and this is like my main complaint about female characters in this book. Like, she's basically a Barbie doll. Like, <laughs> yes. you know how, like, you know, when you're a child and you have your toys and you play with your toys and you make stories and like these toys, of course, have, like no resemblance to a real human in how they act. They just do whatever you want them to do. And that's how this relationship mm. fe- felt to me. Yeah, it was just abhorrent. I agree. It was like the only way I can explain this is that he cannot really write relationships. Yeah. And this was his attempt to have a relationship in a book that's so hardwired sci-fi, you know. Yeah. I don't know. This was like my maybe my biggest qualm with the with the book. Yeah, if they cut this whole part out, I wouldn't mind it. Like you talk about the characters, it's a good concept, but it feels like a good concept to a different story. Yeah. Uh, and I was expecting it to be relevant. Yeah. I was expecting, I was like, this, constantly thinking about something to come up. I was like, he's gonna use this mental seal to like love somebody and then this the character or I don't know. But something's gonna happen somewhere mm-hmm. and no, nothing happened with yeah, this. Yeah, and he was so drugged out. However, the Luigi part also leads to the most interesting plot point. So mm. Luigi's plan is to curse a star. So yes. he sends a message to, to space about a star and he says that in x years something will happen mm. so he hibernates mm. because he says you know wake me up when september ends and uh, this something happens mm-hmm. to this star exactly that was really interesting yeah that was yeah so and they then don't explain why and all this mm-hmm. and then i guess now is a good time to come back to the first message from the avengers yes. and then finally explain the dark forest yeah. okay i'm gonna mm-hmm. try and you correct okay. me Okay, so the secret message or the message we mentioned in the beginning from uh, Yevangie was that she gave uh, axioms of space, relationship, society, civilization, like what usually happens and what that means for the universe. So the first axiom is that it's not infinite, the universe, there's not enough space if there are too many... Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, um the way it says which I think it's a very neat way to for, to elaborate it okay. is um civilizations are constantly expanding but the matter mm-hmm. in the universe isn't. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's much better way to say it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> no, I mean it's not mine like it's from the book and I think it's uh, it was extremely clear and extremely yeah. well written. I'm very happy you are here. If I was talking about this alone it would be such a mess. <laughs> so second axiom is uh the technological boom yes so there is the the problem which is the distance in space which i really like how chishin liu um deals with the distance in space and uh, time and this mm. will be of course an absolutely important point in um, in a third book but even in this one mm. the whole point is even if you can move at the speed of light the distance between different solar system is so big that by the time you receive the... And because you can't receive information before, like at, at a speed which is faster than the speed of light, by the time you receive information mm-hmm. from another civilization, uh, such a long time has passed 
Like you don't know what has mm. happened to that civilization. And by the time you reach that other civilization, uh, again, such a long time has passed that you don't know what mm. kind of technological development they have reached. So even though exactly. you're a super advanced, techno- uh, super adva- technologically advanced um, civilization and you find a primitive by your standard civilization, by the time you reach them, of course, things could have changed. Yes, very, very, very significantly. Yeah. So because of that, uh, essentially technological advantage in, uh, in space warfare, unless you have something like the Sophon block, is kind of irrelevant. Uh, mm. If you want to find a battle, if you want to fight a battle in uh, a traditional sense, yeah. So th- this this is the message. Uh, so Evan J is like secretly like all mysterious, and she tells uh, the main character of this book, Lu Luoji. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Uh, and he just keeps thinking about it and, and then he figures it out mm-hmm. and that's why he casts the spell on this planet mm-hmm. and he figures out the theory of the dark forest which is the whole point of this whole story I feel the like. title of the book we should say <laughs> the title of the book and it's the answer to the Fer- Fermi paradox yes. uh, which Fermi paradox is that there are so many possibilities there could be aliens so why are there no aliens there has to be some other life in the sp- in space why haven't we seen it yes. So the answer is that the universe is like the dark forest. <laughs> and maybe I could just read this quote. Yeah. That could be a good way to explain this. So the universe is a dark forest. Every civilization is an armed hunter stalking through the trees like a ghost, gently pushing aside branches that block the path and trying to tread without sound. Even breathing is done with care. The hunter has to be careful because everywhere in the forest are stealthy hunters like him. If he finds other life, another human, another hunter, an angel or a demon, a delicate infant or a tottering old man, a fairy or a demigod, (laughs) this is not very necessary, okay? Uh, There's only one thing he can do. Open fire! Open fire and eliminate them. In this forest, uh, hell is other people. An eternal threat that any life that exposes its own existence will be swiftly wiped out. This is the picture of cosmic civilization. It's the explanation for the Fermi paradox. Uh, I hope it was understandable. But uh, long story short, like we said, there is not enough space, not enough matter in space in the universe. And you you never know how quickly another race civilization will expand and grow Mm. and advance. Therefore, it's safer to hide or eliminate the other civilization than to try to do anything yes. else. So the, the super depressing point which Luigi makes is, even if you suppose that, because some would say a civilization is not necessarily evil, so why would they want to annihilate the other civilization? Um, however, they, what Luigi says is, it doesn't matter if you want to annihilate the other civilization or not, or if the others Mm. want to annihilate you or not. Because due to the immense distance in space, you can't know about the other civilization intentions until it's too late. And because you can't know, you always have to assume that they want to annihilate you once they find out about Mm. you. Because this is the other big problem, which is the reason why... um, like so- sociology in uh, on a universal scale is different from sociology in uh, on a planetary scale, which is normally when two civilization civilization meet, they learn about each other at the same time. Like 
Spain reaches what is nowadays Mexico. They learned about mm-hmm. the Aztecs and the Aztecs learned about Spain. They learned about each other at the same time. But in space, you might learn about another civilization while them haven't learned about you. Yeah, because of the yes, distance. Yes, and because of like the different ways of detecting civilizations. So you have to assume that after you learned about them, they might learn about you. And after mm. they learn about you, even though if you might contact them, by the time they have learned about you and by the time your message has reached them, they might have already sent someone to destroy you. Mm. Because again, the speed is always the same. If you assume that the, the speed of light is a hard limit, is a hard cap, there's no way to make your message reach the other civilization before they can send some spaceship or whatever to destroy you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of that, it only makes sense to destroy the early civilization as soon as you find them, because otherwise, if you send a message, you will reveal your position and they might destroy you before they answer. And even if you don't send a message mm. and so you don't reveal your position, because you find out about them, it means they can find out about you, and so they might send something to destroy you. Which is exactly. incredibly depressing, because it makes <laughs> so much sense. Mm. Like, like I've seen some, some counterpoints to this, but there isn't any strong way to prove that this is not true. Yes. Uh, the only additional point that Luigi has to make, which is kind of, I don't want to say realistic, but kind of like um, reduces the the how grounded this theory is, is the fact that he says that annihilating a civilization must be economical. Because if mm-hmm. you if it requires more than one strike to destroy the other civiliza- mm. civilization, then the other civilization has the opportunity to strike back. Okay. So you must destroy the civilization after you find it in a single strike. Mm. So the star he cursed, uh, basically they just sent uh, a bullet accelerated at 10% of the speed of light or something like that. To the star. They call it a photoid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some, some particle that just goes so fast it just annihilates the yeah, planet. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Annihilates the star. The the interesting point about Luigi, well, he does a lot of other things. To be honest, it's interesting, but not too interesting. Like, he goes to the future, his world-facer status is revoked, and then humanity is on its knees again because they lost all of their fleet to... all of their uh, starship fleet to Trisolaris. And so they give him... Um, World Phaser status again because again they want a messiah hmm. and uh, but he he acts like an idiot because he says like I, there's not much I can do also because they they realize that he destroyed the star until everyone hates him um, it was all a big plan because he was uh, from Trisolaris he was setting up a, a way to build a um, dark forest threat which is a way to communicate to the universe the position of both Trisolaris and Earth so Trisolaris essentially has to come. Uh, two terms with Earth. Exactly. Which is the ending of the book. Yeah, so that's yeah. basically the, mo- the most important point of this, of this book. And uh, yeah, I was really trying to find a way to disprove this, like you said. There's not many ways you can have, you can't have much of an argument yeah. about this theory, I, I find. <laughs> so if you're listening and you, know, you have some arguments about why this is not true, send it to mindduckjapan at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, 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 the two strongest ones I've found are, one is, if you have a civilization which is spread across different solar systems, it mm-hmm. might be difficult to destroy them in a single blow. Of course. And the other one is, if there is a civilization which has become a spacefaring civilization, so mm-hmm. they don't have a planet, you could detect their position, but you would detect their position at that time so by the time you detect their position they are already really far from there Mm. 
so it will essentially be impossible to destroy them. And then you can argue if they are spread out yeah. across the universe and they are far apart, yeah. like they're not yeah. interconnected somehow, like yeah. then you can argue based on what this book is about that they are not the same. Yes, exactly. If you a civilization which is spread across different solar systems means essentially can't really communicate. I mean, they can communicate, of course, but the delays in communication will be so long. Just imagine that, like, how can you say you're part of the same civilization if it takes two years to just to communicate anything? I guess an argument to be made, uh, which listeners are probably shouting at their microphones or the headphones or wherever they are, they're like, well, about these fucking photons? The same book answered this. Right, um, yes, so, uh, which is quantum entanglement. So the, if if there's a technology that allows instantaneous communication, it kind of breaks this theory. Yes, that is true. Which they don't get into, which I was surprised. I was thinking... Well, because the thing is, like, with quantum entanglement, you can... It's true that you can have instantaneous communication, but you need to have both sides of the of the rope. Okay. So the way the sophons work is one side of the sophon is left, like one quantum of the sophon mm -hmm. is left on three solaris. Mm -hmm. So they still have to send the... Yes, okay. Yeah. You can do it with your own civilization because you can send it, but if it's an unknown civilization, you would have to send a quantum there first, which is yeah. essentially so the to, same problem. To counter before. this argument, I guess you can say you have to get the part of the cell phone there first, and that already yeah. is the contact, and it's already late, and then you already... Yeah, so that's, exactly. that's, yeah. that's exactly that's the answer, probably. There's yeah. one more quote, since we're already doing quotes, it's, yes. it's uh, the same. I'm just gonna read it. They also said, Do you know what the greatest expression of regard for a race or civilization is? No. What? So, it's... Annihilation. Annihilation. That's the highest respect a civilization can receive. They would only feel threatened by a civilization they truly respect. Yeah. Before we talk about the Battle of Darkness, which is the ending of the other <laughs> sounds, plot, the other plot like line. the most depressing thing in the universe. Yes, which is, that, that is really the most, it's even more depressing than the Dark Forest. I have a question for you. Okay. How do you feel about Luigi as a character and about his character arc? Yeah, at this point of the book, I was like, okay, the first book uh, was no characters, and the only mm -hmm. character I like is uh, Mr. Mr. Fishstock. What is it called? <laughs> Dashi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this like, like this guy with his wife. Yeah. I don't think he's a character either. Like, I think he is the representation of, like, the humanity's feelings or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, he's like. The sentimental... Okay. Yeah. Because I, I would say this, um, to me, mm. like, I didn't like him so much at the start. He didn't have that much of a personality. Mm. I really like how he reacted to a few things. Like, for example, okay. becoming a world facer, which was extremely terrifying to him. And I feel like in most cases, like, if the main character gets, like, this supreme power... I'm not saying they would necessarily be excited or happy about it but even if they're scared like it's very rare for a main character just say you know fuck off i don't want to do this just mm. leave me alone that's good that was a good interesting point yeah yeah which i think it's a very realistic mm. so the 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 meaning of the lame luogi is logic which is something they refer to also in the book i think it's the most logic way to to talk about something like the wolf facers like of course it's easy to say yeah of course i'd love to be a wolf facer you know i can be the savior of humanity i can do whatever i want mm. that's really cool but at the same time the logic thing to say is this is insane <laughs> like yes. 
I, I would not want the, the weight of humanity and all of my civilization on my shoulders because I have to find a solution to mm. an impossible problem. And if I can't, then humanity will be annihilated. Yeah. So that is really interesting. And I like at the end how he goes back into his degenerate ways of just like drinking and being hated by everyone. Because it kind of shows, you know, when he was the Messiah, uh, both times, you know, in the immediate future and in the far future, he couldn't really achieve anything and it, there was not the position that was fitting him. Yeah. But the only way he can uh, actually achieve his goal is by getting hated and by doing something that is hard to comprehend for everyone. Which we never said, by the way, if you haven't read this book and you're still listening, he becomes a messiah because all the other world breakers, sorry, world facers yeah. fail. He's the only one left and he casts this spell and it works and everybody's like, oh my God, yeah. he's like, he's onto <laughs> he something. He destroyed the star. And everybody starts basically praying for him to save humanity. And yeah. yeah. So that's how it happens, just to explain. Yeah. So that's a good point. For For the other thing is what you said. I feel like he was not that developed as a character. It was going there, like you just said. Mm-hmm. It's a good concept for a character mm-hmm. arc. Yeah. And it's like interesting and realistic and all that. But it still didn't feel to me like he was a character. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, he was just the concept of this is how a person in this situation would realistically feel and this is what kind of a thing would this person be doing mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like they were talking about him in the sense of being a person I felt like he was mm-hmm. like he was like a thought process to me he wasn't that like a true. person yeah. so that's why I just gave up on characters and I was like okay I love this <laughs> like concept I'm just not gonna worry about the characters right the other question I have is what do you think about the great ravine for the press uh... for depression points <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so in the book they jump into uh, the future 200 years and in between something very bad happens. Yeah. Yeah, this is a thing I forgot to write in these notes. I, I guess I pushed this out of my mind to be less depressed. <laughs> so there was a big like uh, ecological disaster and mm. essentially, you know, there were uh, people were starving and everything else. So in the end, half of the human population died. Hmm. Yeah, it's of course, it sends. Uh, now I remembered it sent a shiver down my spine. I was like, yeah. <laughs> more bullshit. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, and uh, I to me that was interesting, but not too much. Um, what I didn't like is he does it here, but he does it throughout the trilogy. From the moment you get to the future, you get a notion of this great ravine, but it's not explained until like one hundred pages yeah. later for no fucking reason. I really yeah. hate when I. I understand why writers want to tease something but explain mm, it later. He's teased enough. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense if you tease something, but the characters have ready access to that information and everyone is just saying, well, please, yeah, that's in, that's, wait, that's annoying, I will yes. explain this later. And the other thing which connects to this is, in this book, everyone explains everything. <laughs> so that's also true. Yeah, I didn't everyone think knows everything and everyone can explain everything, which... I mean, we talked about this also in the first review, but like, what the hell? Like, why can why can everyone explain everything? Mm. Like, at one point, Dashi, who's not a scientist or anything, he starts explaining so many things, and he had woken about the future, and he had woken up in the future for just a few months, but he knows so much. Like, why? Mm. And the explanation is, to me, is just that he wanted to explain things, and he wanted it to come out of the mouth of a character, mm. but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this was weird, you're right. And they yeah. didn't even go into it that much. So that's why I yeah. forgot. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, this happened. It was really bad. Yeah. And yeah, 
Next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next depression point. Yeah. Final depression point. So the Battle of Darkness. Yeah. So they uh, jump into the future and yes. a probe arrives to Earth, which they uh, manage the Trisalan fleet. Well, it arrives to, to the solar system. Okay. So the solar system, they manage to... Like they have this this fleet of destroyer super ships, mm-hmm. but they managed to send something even faster, which is like a small small probe. And at this point, it's 200 years before the fleet arrives to Earth. Uh, yes. Many people went into hibernation, so that's the main character, the the character who's the only positive thinking person in on Earth, and it's not Young, really very high. Yeah, and then is Dashi still there? The yes. detective. Yeah, and. Uh, we learn about like the future, how, how people live now, and what's changed. It was kind of fun. I like yeah. that part. But that's besides the point. They get to this probe to examine it, and I have a translator note here that the mm. name of the probe uh, is Mantis. Oh, sorry, the name of the ship that examines the probe from Tesaurus is called Mantis, mm-hmm. which in Chinese is slang for a cocky person who doesn't know what he's doing. Right. <laughs> that was like so obvious. I would not give any depression point for that because that's like the most canonical yes. like sci-fi thing. Like, oh, we found this super thing, but we are humans. We can handle it. <laughs> and then it destroys everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I knew it was coming, but I, I found this translation funny <laughs> yeah like, uh, like that made me a little angry how the the spaceships were aligned like in a perfect grid like that was so dumb the fact that they sent the whole mm. the whole fleet there i didn't like that there was no good explanation for it i felt like it was because they keep talking about how uh, earth and societies transformed and how they keep like dumbing it down and how like people want to live like a comfortable life and they, they like lost the ability to improve the science and I felt like he was trying to show that the strategy Im- hasn't improved either and all these things that happened in the 200 years kind of like made humanity degrade and I felt well, like this okay. is what there he was, was trying to show. There uh, was a point like in the book it's clearly criticizing this new society which is like decadent and weak mm. compared to the stoic civilization from the present which is something that I understand but I feel like it was very much Chinese propaganda <laughs> because it, so they were talking about how in the future people don't care about for example sexual preferences or how they don't like violence and war they don't care about patriotism they don't care about countries they don't care about all of these things which is all beautiful and wonderful but in the book is presented as ah they are weak ah they are degenerate <laughs> yeah you know yeah, I guess you're right. Mm, I really didn't like that. Okay, okay, okay. One way or the other, so the super defensive fleet that's, you know, advanced in 200 years, there are so many spaceships and all that. I like the technology where they describe that if the ship has to move fast, they mm-hmm. have to f- pump the room with gel. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was interesting. Because of the acceleration, mm-hmm. like so the G-force. It was a very fun way for me to, or for them to explain that the technology has advanced a lot, but mm-hmm. within li- its limitations yes. that caused things like this, so they can't accelerate the ship without getting themselves into jelly so they wouldn't smash against the wall. So that was interesting, but uh, lining themselves in a grid so the probe can conveniently smash it in one line and kill everything in a few seconds, that's, that's a little bit dumb. I agree. So there are about 2,000 ships or something, warships, and the the probe just starts moving super fast and just ramming into them and they can't even see it and everything explodes and everything's dying. Mm-hmm. And just two ships escape. Yes. Because, yeah, so two ships escape from the battle. On the other hand, 
So before the battle, uh, Zhang Beihai run away. So he, he mm. finally makes his move. He runs away with a with a ship, and um, four ships are sent to arrest him. So, so he runs away because he believes that it was never there was never any chance to survive. So and after they lose the battle, essentially they realize that you know that's that's true. That's exactly what was going to happen. Mm. Uh, so the five ships decide to form an alliance, and everything looks cool, and they're like. Yeah, you know, we will make this new humanity. We will go to this new solar system, find a new civilization and everything else because the Earth is doomed. Hmm. And then very quickly they realize we don't have enough fuel. We don't might not have enough food. Might hmm. not have enough replacement parts. Hmm. And so they all shoot at each other at the same time and then everyone dies. <laughs> not everyone. One, one ship survives. Like yeah, the one who kills everyone else. Tense moment when yes. the the commander of the ship he, he's like, yeah, mm. I, I know, just just yeah. do it. Do yeah, it. that was extremely interesting, especially because I didn't expect him to die. Because mm. like there is this growing tension where they're thinking of mm, should we shoot at the other ships or not? And it seems like the guy Zhang Beihai has just decided to not do anything mo- anymore. Mm. He looks like he's completely bad. Yeah, and then. They're like, oh, no, we should do it. And then they realized that he was already doing it because he was like, I want to take mm. responsibility. I don't want mm-hmm. you to, to feel bad. But then the second he's about to launch the missiles, they receive mm-hmm. the alarm. Like, oh, we are being targeted. It's already too late. Mm-hmm. And he dies. I was so shocked by that. This because is I didn't see it coming at all. Moment, yeah. yeah. I f- Felt like this was a very clever way to end his story arc because he wanted to mm. ensure the survival of humanity and he wanted to drive people to this point by any means necessary. And he managed mm. by pretending to be the only person who can see that we can win and lying and then them finding out that he actually didn't do that and then escaping and then people admitting he was right and all this. Yeah. And he was still one step ahead and he was still thinking ahead and he was still doing the strategy. Okay, they're going to kill each other, but one of yes. them is going to go out alive and I don't care if I'm on the surviving ships I just want to have one ship survive yes and he was just sitting there and he was like yes it's now and then he yeah. died yeah 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 I was so surprised uh, it was yeah everything about that part was really interesting I feel like for him the first half of his plot line was pretty boring but the second half of his plot line was extremely interesting yeah this was uh, I was already hit hard by the dark forest like the dark forest is the same concept but on a grand scale it's the same like when you have a disaster and they tell you the numbers of how many thousands of people died and you're watching it on the news and then you're like "Mm, okay so it's not my house (laughs) and then (laughs) and and then you have this feeling you're like okay so it's in the future and it's this grand scale i can't do anything about it so i mean it's really scary but if you study about space there are so many t- scary things in space, so... Yeah, so I was already, like, feeling bad about it, but I wasn't really feeling bad about it. I was like, okay. But then he takes the same concept and he puts it in the thing to make you, fe- make you feel it. Yes. So it's like, I'm going to show you what this means. Yes. You think you didn't like this? You're not going to like this part. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this yeah. was the part where I was really like, yeah. why? That was really cool. I have to say that was really really cool. I thoroughly up- liked it. <laughs> this this might have hit me the most from like I don't I don't remember any other book where I was feeling. Uh, worse, I mean, like... I remember when the first time I read 
the the red wedding in uh, oh okay i just saw it on the tv Storm show Wars. i didn't read it yeah. yeah well i read the book i was 16 yeah that, that's a powerful moment probably i imagine in the book it would be much more impactful than in the tv show yeah 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 and especially again rob stark was one of my favorite characters and i was 16 and mm-hmm. yeah but i, I had the same feelings now even though i didn't care so much about these characters which mm-hmm. i can i guess kind of explains how powerful a moment it is So it's clever that they have a one concept and they just drill it home <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the dead man switch at the beginning and with this uh, event and then with the whole paradox answer and I don't think I've like read a story where they would go into so much depth about an idea like they have this concept and they really really like examine it in many contexts. Yeah, and I would say this, I would say There's also uh the reason why I think this is better than the third book is there is a nice like neat conclusion like it starts with him at the grave it ends with him at the same grave mm. with Luigi at at a, at a grave and ends with him at the same grave and um it starts with him receiving this information and it ends with him realizing like the mm-hmm. full potential of this information and it ends with him essentially redeeming the avenger. Mm-hmm. So I really liked you yeah, know the, the way the beginning and the end connect. To to recap what uh, where we're at in the story, all the four spaceships are dead. Yes. <laughs> Humanity trying to survive by the gum of their teeth, skin yes. of their teeth, sorry, <laughs> trying to survive by the skin of their teeth, yes. killing each other. Everybody's depressed. Escapism. <laughs> uh, the droplet destroys everything. F- uh, photons, sorry, sofons are watching it. We found out there are other alien races destroying stars when they learn about they exist. And, yes. Uh, yeah. And then the probe, the the droplet they call it. They mm-hmm. the droplet blocks any signal coming out of Earth. Yes. To prevent any dark forest. Mm. And uh yeah that's that's about it. Yeah. Well, but you know, Luigi finds a way to circumvent this and uh Trisolaris has to compromise with Earth and that's mm. where the second book ends kind of like on a yes. positive note. So the ending uh you didn't explain. It's the only book which has a happy ending of the three. Well, but based on what happened it doesn't change anything <laughs> well i mean if it ended there if it ended there like if there was no third book mm-hmm. it would have a happy ending so just to say what happens at the very end so all this is super bad and everybody's like okay i we just defeated defeated them everybody's like we're just gonna live out our lives we have 200 years to just live and before we all die and then uh, uh luigi is still Like trying to figure something out, so he has a dead man switch, and if he gets killed, translocate, transfer signal, send a signal <laughs> of Earth or solar yeah. system. Yeah, the position so of the, the position. solar system and uh, three solaris. Yeah, so he has the position of three solaris and the solar system, and if they kill him, he has a dead man switch that will detonate these bombs in somewhere, and somehow using Morse code, some signal, they will transfer broadcast this these uh, coordinates and we know that the other star was destroyed so we know that if they learn about these two places they will definitely destroy them both so that's the same thing uh, one more time but in a new context <laughs> yeah long story short uh, Luigi comes to a truce and they yes. allow her to survive <laughs> and uh, yeah I, I've been exhausted after this 
Uh, I've been so excited like reading this. Uh, I was really looking forward to the third book after reading this. I was not looking to the third book because, <laughs> and I knew I would have to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And that's not because I wouldn't like to read it. That's not because I wouldn't, you know, enjoy it. But I would. I was like, what else am I going to learn about? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. About three uh, D printers and two D printers and. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there wasn't any two D, three D dimensional bullshit in this book. So that's why yeah. I enjoyed it better. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thanks. Uh, Thanks Thank for you. discussing this. Uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> uh, yeah, talking about it, I realized like it. It was maybe it was the fir- the best book. I don't know. I I'm conflicted. Like there were many things I didn't love about this book, hmm. but at the same time, maybe it is the best. It's definitely the one with the best ideas and hmm. with the best moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only part I didn't like about this was the character and the wife. The the the, the story. You know how he was. That was like, why is this here? Like, what is... yeah, I I agree. It was completely pointless. And in the third book, there is a similar thing. I was like, why is this here? But then it had a point. And this second book, it why is this here? And didn't have a point. So yeah, like, true. Maybe he learned from this book how to write the next one. So uh, this book, filming it in a TV show, would be genius to me. Like mm. like the first book, they will make it into a TV show. And I think it's gonna kill it because there's no, people not gonna care much. Mm-hmm. Like it's interesting, but not really. And it depends more on the effects of the video game and the last scene where they cut up the ship or whatever. And people will be like, okay, so there's a mad Chinese woman and she wants to kill everybody. I'm not watching the next season. <laughs> and this, if if they somehow, yeah, there, there's no way to do it. They, you need the first book to set up this story. Yeah, you you need it. I think they would stop off the first one, to be honest. Yeah, because... I think there's this, they're not gonna film this. But if they film this into a genuinely well acted drama where people could just talk, there doesn't have to be any effects. They could literally just have people in rooms yeah. talk, and it would be so interesting. Yeah, I guess the only as long as before they go to the future, so as long as it's uh, yeah, but they could still go around it and not really show the future outside of a room. Well, they do have to show like the the spaceships and <laughs> okay. And well, you out. could you could be clever about this. Okay, if I was a writer of this show, I would be just showing like, you know, screens of the battle. They wouldn't be showing the ships, and it would make even more Fair impact, enough. I think, because if as soon as you start showing lasers and explosions and space battles, it kind of dumps it down for mm. like the audience. So if they actually like I watched uh, Chernobyl recently mm-hmm. and it was so grim and dark and depressing and real <laughs> and it was all that because they didn't really show anything as long as like the the explosions and all this like they, they didn't really show it they just showed mm-hmm. people talking about it and it was so crushing like yeah, they way, did it yeah, with it this is. show yeah. it would be so good like I would love them to make this and just pick and choose they don't have to do all of it mm-hmm. and do the story but just talking. It would no, be yeah, I, I understand what you mean. They could do it, but and it would be cheap <laughs> because don't they don't they need will. all this like effects and shit. I don't think they will. Please make an indie TV drama about this where people just talk about this. I think it would be really mm-hmm. successful. Yeah. Anyway, I just want to end with saying that this is why I like Star Trek, and mm-hmm. I don't like find much sci-fi along the lines of this. Like, 
they actually made a point and justified mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and I don't think that happens much in stories. Yeah. No, it so is that's, very that's unique. That's why I like it. Yeah, it is definitely very unique. Okay, so thanks again and see you in book three. Right, thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts and 41 depression points plus an extra crushing reverberating point where I'm sure you know which one that was plus 10 points. So 51 depression points. <sighs> See you in the last book, Death's End, the final crushing blow to my soul. <laughs>